Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for the leaders in God's church. This is Andrew Cook and I'm delighted to be in your company. Ephesians, Ray Tibbs continues the series. And an all too common big problem in A Pastor Talks. Here on Serving Today, we're getting help with Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Last time, Ray Tibbs spoke about the first three verses of chapter 2 of Ephesians. These sombre words describe the desperate condition of Christians before being saved. When I spoke with Ray, I started by asking him if what follows brings us any hope. Yes, verses 4 through to 10 tell us that God is rich in mercy and show us what he has done for us in Christ. First of all, God has made us alive in Christ. This is in verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. These verses tell us two things. First, about God's character. God is not unmoved by that sinful state we've described. Seeing us for what we are, his attitude towards us is one of pity, and he responds mercifully to us. That response is not insignificant but abundant. Secondly, we see God's choice. He shows his mercy because he already loved us. Love sees the object of its affection as precious, whatever its condition. The loved one draws out the love of the lover in self-giving to bestow undeserved but much-needed benefit. Mercy satisfies and is an expression of love. So firstly, God has made us alive in Christ. What comes next? Well, next in verse 6, we're told that God has raised us up with Christ. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We're told two things here. First of all, there is reference to the body of Christ then. God gave Jesus life within the reality of death. John chapter 1 verse 4 and chapter 5 verse 26. Then God raised Jesus to life again. Acts 2 verse 32, chapter 3 in Acts verse 15, and then seated him in the heavenly realms. Acts 2 verse 33, Philippians 2 verse 9. This verse seems to suggest a parallel in our own future experience. And so the second thing it tells us about is the body of Christ now. In fact, 
it speaks of more than what we have just referred to. It speaks of our union. He is our representative. What happened to him happened to us. His experience affected us directly. The verse refers to our being raised and seated, indicating both as a present reality as well as a future hope. Although we can be assured of a certain future, we can enjoy a taste of it now. We are alive. John 10, verse 10, Colossians 2, 13. We are raised. Romans 6, verse 11, chapter 8, verse 11. We are seated. 1 John, chapter 4, verse 4, and chapter 5, verse 5. And that leads us to the third heading. Yes, God has seated us with Christ. This is in verses 6 and 7. And he has seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So first of all there is reference here to the reality. Although the action has not been completed yet, we should not doubt that it will be completed one day. And then comes the reason for that. Salvation in Christ is a demonstration of God's mercy down the ages and throughout eternity. The grace of God is seen in succeeding generations as many who deserve death were redeemed. The grace of God is shown to the world by the church and so the world is without excuse. Grace is God's response to guilt. The angels see it unfolding before them and completion in a multitude of lives. God's grace is so amazing. What's the final heading here? Well, in verses 8 through to 10, God has created us in Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. These verses speak of two types of his work. First of all, he has worked on us. Just as creation could not have happened outside of Christ, nor could salvation. It is all of God, without any energy or credit of ours. Even faith, the means by which salvation is received, is God's gift. He has worked on us, but also he has worked for us. God's intention is that our changed lives show what he has done. Our transformation is part of our testimony to him on earth. Our good deeds should glorify him, not us. 
Matthew 5, 16, 1 Peter 2, verse 12. Our lives are a work in progress. They say not only, look what God has done, but also, look what God is doing. Ray, as we close here, some might be asking themselves what is meant by good works. Can we be more specific about this? Well, there are two sorts of good works in a sense. One is the general appeal that the New Testament frequently makes, and that is, in summary, to love your neighbour as yourself. Every believer is required to do that in various ways. But then, on the other hand, there are good works that each of us can do personally according to the gifts and opportunities that we have individually which are not shared by others. And those are the works that we must look out for to find out exactly how God wants us to demonstrate our Christian life toward those who are living closely with us. Thanks very much, Ray, for explaining that further for us. Thank you. We've been thinking about God's mercy from Ephesians chapter 2. Well, in a pastor talks, Malcolm Ryan now looks at how Jesus contrasts this with another big problem. And it's one that, if we're really honest, many of us suffer from. For people who are sure of their own goodness and who look down on everyone else, the Lord Jesus told this parable as found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Here we see a self-righteous man at prayer, and the account of how he prayed is satire at its best. I thank you that I'm not like other people, he said. Then he said about telling God what he wasn't. He wasn't dishonest, he didn't do evil, nor was he an adulterer, unlike others who may have been present. Next the Pharisee turned his attention to the nearby tax collector and let God know that he wasn't like him either. In fact, beneath this pretentious facade, the Pharisee must have been rather pleased that the other man was there as it made him look even more righteous. What a contrast, the brilliance of the good man set against the backdrop of a dark and contemptible sinner. Then to cap it all, the Pharisee slipped in a reminder of his religious achievements. He fasted twice a week and gave God a tenth of all he got. Didn't he do well? The only thing was, he didn't impress God. And the reason he didn't impress God was that the Pharisee was preoccupied with himself. As he pointed his prayer towards heaven, he kept on saying, I, I, I. As a result, this man wasn't just praying about himself, he was praying only to himself. You see, the Pharisee thought he was talking to God, but in reality his prayers didn't get beyond the ceiling, because God doesn't listen to prayers like that. On the other hand, God does listen to prayers 
like the one from the tax collector. The parable continues, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, because they worked in league with the Roman occupiers, tax collectors were regarded as the lowest of the low in those days, particularly as they usually gathered more tax than they should, keeping the extra for themselves. But now this despised man, in his misery and desperation, cried out for mercy. And do you know why God listened to him? Because the Lord Jesus was on his way to the cross at Calvary and he would soon take upon himself the consequences of this man's godlessness, so that his sins could be forgiven through the cleansing shed blood of the Saviour. The sinner would indeed receive mercy. In telling this parable, Jesus concluded that this man, not the other, was in the right with God when he went home. Why? Because all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And with that, we end our time together here on Serving Today. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May God, who is merciful, bless your service for Christ. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. There are a number of ways to get in touch. Our email address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Find us on Twitter at Serving Today GBM, or you can search our web catalogue at www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.